Hello and welcome to another episode of Good For Profit. This is your host Mo and we are bringing you a special release for the end of the year 2022 to celebrate Christmas and New Year's and enter the new year in style. We're bringing you around 10 conversations with mostly founders of tech for good startups but also founders of businesses that are for profit and for good at the same time as is the theme of the podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into one of these conversations. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. Hi, Danielle. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, good to see you. Absolutely. Same here. I'm really, really happy to have you on the podcast with us today. It's uh, it, it's going to be very exciting. Um, we spoke a little while back uh, about what you were doing and, and it's all pretty, pretty freaking brilliant. And so we're definitely very excited to have a proper conversation here with us on the on the podcast today. And, and dive right in. Um, maybe could you maybe start by telling us a little bit more about uh, sort of you and a little bit more about your business on Thread? Yeah, so um, so I sort of started off in corporate world, but um, after sort of ten years there, I decided to move working with smaller businesses, and and really that came from I really enjoy the agile nature of small businesses and the fact that they can change and react really quickly, and that was a big part of what I enjoy um but then um when I worked for a big purpose uh, a small business but they were a purpose-driven organization that was when I really sort of thought hang on there's a kind of a different way to do business here and unthread really came from that learning to say okay um we can we can still make a profit we can still be commercially successful but we can do that in a way that is very different to how traditional business has been done and we can do that in a way that has purpose and impact and is good for the world and so that's really kind of where Unthread came from was how do you bring both profit and purpose together so that one supports the other Um, and that's what I sort of uh, really focus on and try and help businesses to work out what that looks like for them. I absolutely love it I think you couldn't have been on a a more appropriate um, in a more appropriate place to talk about this you know the creating good whilst making profit at the same time um, and your your dream of of a world yeah. where the most successful entrepreneurs are all working on impact led businesses is a is a pretty pretty strong statement yeah. uh, that really kind of rings close to my heart too. Mm, yeah, and I I kind of call it this this new breed of business because I do think it's um, the days of where you could do profit or purpose you almost had to choose which one you were going to chase after, where now it sort of feels like and it's obviously been accelerated that businesses can can absolutely do both and what's more hopefully in the future that will just be how business is done that will just be the kind of norm and that's what I'm really focused on is how do you make that way of doing business just business as usual absolutely no it's incredible and, and yes it's about time I mean I think there is um there are so many business models now as well and there are so many ways that you can actually be an impact-led business and even if if at the core of the business you're not necessarily impact driven there is a way that you can turn your business into an impact driven one and I presume that that's a bit of the work that you do, right? So, so not just about sort of helping people start. Yeah, completely. And I think I think what's what's really interesting what you say there, and I think that's a really really important point is there are businesses who are kind of impact driven from the off. So whether you're, um, you know, I was talking to some, I was on a session a few weeks ago with the founder of You Underwear, and they produce sustainable underwear. And they donate to charity and it's all but and it's made sustainably in India and it's all been made with impact from the beginning. That's brilliant. That's exactly what we want companies to do. But if you're a insurance broker or a an accountant or a marketing specialist, that that might not be kind of um, you know, you might not have that kind of model, but there's you can still run your business in an impact driven way, even if you're not you know, delivering water bottles made out of ocean plastic it doesn't have to be that it can be any business but how you run your business can be impact driven absolutely and and i suppose because you know a lot of entrepreneurs will want to go and create an impact but may not, not necessarily know how to be able to tie together the the profit piece and the the positive impact piece and so i, I don't know what sort of advice maybe would, would you give to people who are looking to start a business would you say that you should try and think really deeply in advance about how to do both or would you say that it doesn't actually matter because if you spot a gap in the market somewhere, there's a way that you can turn the business around just as easily? Are they sort of the same kind of level of difficulty, let's say? 
I think I think both models apply. So I think obviously the more businesses that we have that are, are built with sustainability or impact from the start, you know, the you underwear example um, is brilliant, and that that really does drive a change. But at the same time, at completely accepting that your kind of normal business can be impact driven. So if you are running a business which is a creative agency or is a you know an accountant or a law firm or whatever it might be you can still look at what you do and how you do it and say, okay, how can we carry out our work but have um, stakeholders part of our decision-making? So how do we think about our stakeholders as well as our shareholders when we make decisions? Um, In whatever it is we're doing, whether it's procurement, whether it's hiring, whether it's CSR initiatives, whatever it is, you can make different decisions than what you potentially would have done 10 years ago. That's really cool. I suppose then a lot of it comes down as well to metrics that you measure and kind of what goals you set up for yourself, which I guess we can we can dive a little bit more into later as well. But first, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm always curious to understand more about what drives a person to do the kind of work that you're doing, for example. What is it that made you, first of all, want to start this uh, kind of thing? What made you realize that actually profit and impact should be hand in hand and not mm-hmm. one against the other? Yeah, it's interesting. So I think um, really what sort of sparked it for me from a personal perspective was looking at my stepchildren and I've now got a niece and nephew and kind of almost, and especially my stepchildren, they're now 19 and 24. They're now entering the world of work and I'm almost almost a bit embarrassed about what they're going to find when they start working because they're going to be like, what? what is this? Like, we, you know, I know they and most young, most young people now are very diverse, are very inclusive very environmentally aware, they like flexibility and and they're literally going to walk into a working environment generally and be like, what, you want me to work nine to five and sit in an office all day and you want, and my stepdaughter, she's going to be like, hang on, I'm still disadvantaged because I'm a woman, like what, what? So it was almost like, okay, this, this isn't reflective of the people that are coming into the workforce for a start. So how do we change that so that, young people coming into the workforce that was my kind of original driver but actually for all of us how do we just make the working world work better for everybody because the old rules just don't just don't apply anymore it's the world's moved the world's changed we've learned more so how do we kind of make that adjustment but at the same time it's you know it's not an overnight switch that we can we can make Um, but that was a kind of original driver Really interesting. So very much driven by, you know, looking at the next generations and thinking, how can we make the world better for them um, in a way? And and I suppose having children was kind of a part of that as well, part of make, make, giving you that realization. It's, it's really interesting. I think quite a few people have spoken with have had children. We've mentioned this before in the podcast because, you know, it, it's come up, come up multiple times. Uh, but, you know, just from friends of mine that I speak with, whenever they have a child or something, like for the first time, especially, their perspective on life tends to change. You know, some, the priorities that they have in their lives tend to be kind of readjusted and, and things kind of take a different kind of pace. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, I often chat with people who have this sort of thing where they will have a child or, 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 or they will see, you know, the next generation growing up in, in a place where they have nieces and nephews and so on and think, you know what, maybe I should be doing something that just makes sure, ensures that the world is much better for them yeah. in a way. Exactly. And the word unthread actually came from uh, the initials of my two stepchildren, my niece and nephew. And that's how I kind of came up with the word was because it was about this is why I'm doing it. This is about and it's not just them. Obviously, it's kind of the next generation to say there is a better way of doing this. And actually, not only is there a better way, but it's it it's better for everybody. Like Everybody benefits here. It's not saying um, we're going to sort of throw out everything. It's just saying there is a better way to do business and that benefits more people and commercially is better. Um, but it's just trying to sort of unpick what that looks like. No, of course, absolutely. And and so how far into the journey of Unthread are you at the moment? How long have you been working on this? And I suppose you may have been working on this before it was even a thing, right? Mm. Yeah, so I mean, I've been sort of involved in purpose-led businesses for probably eight or more years um sort of since I left corporate really but uh, and that was really just sort of seeing it I was involved in a purpose-led organization and really kind of being in that organization seeing how it works on a day-to-day basis and that's a really big thing for me it's okay us having 
big ideas and big dreams and ambitions, but actually how do you do it on a day-to-day basis? What does that actually look like in an organisation? So I learned a lot there. And then it's been about two or so years, two just over two years of working with um, clients to help them go through that same journey and learning also about you know, what works for people. How how does that work in, in reality? How can people take on um, some of these tools and changes? So so yeah, it's been kind of it's always evolving. It's always evolving and and changing and learning Absolutely, all the time. Absolutely, of course, of course. I mean, you do love the startup environment, the agile environment of making constant improvements as you go along. So I suppose that's you know you're, you're in the right place at the right time. Um, and with with the businesses you've been working with, you've obviously done a lot of work both when you were in corporate, but also after that, and with impact led organizations, but also even now with the stuff you're doing, helping other businesses become more impact driven. What are you finding to be kind of the biggest challenges to an organization becoming more impact led? Um, I think I think one of the things is is that so much of what we do, and this goes for you know anybody really in, in business, so much of what you do is just accepted wisdom. That's just how it's done. And you, and I think one of the challenges is is really working out what you're doing now. How is that? having a good or bad impact and and often people just don't know so the example i often use is recruitment so when you recruit people quite understandably and we're all probably guilty of it is we just we just do it we just put out an advert or we might speak to a recruitment consultant or whatever it might be we don't necessarily think about you know are we attracting diverse candidates here are we wording the advert in a way that's going to attract people are we thinking about our terms and conditions and our employment environment is that going to help people with disabilities, for example, enter our workforce? Are we providing flexible work? It's They're the kind of practical changes that we can all make. But the challenge, I think, for businesses is to think of those things as we go. And as we just do stuff that we would always do, What when do you ask those questions? And that's why it's kind of a, a, a company-wide kind of cultural change is to flag up to go, okay, is there a better way of doing this? Should we just whack out the advert that we've posted for the last three years or should we think a little bit differently about it? That That's the kind of sort of thinking that can go on, but, it, but it's hard to do that. Right, so it sounds to me like it's both a kind of a timing issue where, where it's, it's a double twofold thing, timing in the sense of when to actually do it, but also timing in the sense of finding the time to do that sort of thing and actually mm. make the time for it when you have so many other things going on in the business completely yeah completely and i think that's that is a big challenge for people and a lot of the companies i work with who are you know deeply impact driven and want to create businesses that are doing good and have brilliant great intentions but when it comes to it if you've got a if, in that example if you've got a, a role you need to fill and you need to get somebody in there quick that it's very easy for all of us to kind of oh let's just let's just do it anyway let's just get it out let's just recruit yep um, yeah because Put as far and wide as possible and just do everything that you can exactly so that's the that is the challenge of it is how do you make how do you sort of carve this with and weave this throughout your organisation so that you're constantly making these changes and asking these questions and just you can't do everything at once so how do you just kind of keep factoring that in and that's what I talk about. Sort of stakeholder decision making is understanding who your stakeholders are and and feeding them into your sort of general everyday decision making and just keep chipping away at it and keep asking those questions but you're right time finding time is is one of the hardest things for people so how do you get around that how do you help people with finding more time of, co- of course this is what you do as a business and it's how you you help with change management internally but i suppose you know if somebody out there is thinking there's no way in hell that I'll be able to find the time for this, so there's no even point trying, what mm. would you say to them? Yeah, so I think I think one of the things which is getting better now is is almost is having that kind of um, the tools and the more off the shelf advice and resources that people can use. I think what's happened historically, especially in this space, is everyone's having to kind of make it up as they go along and try and work it out and go, well, what does good look like? What should we be doing? And now there's people like me, there's, there's things like B Corp and other kind of frameworks out there that have done that work for you. So it's so part of it is about engaging with people and bringing people in and help letting them shortcut that learning for you. But then on the other side of it, it's also about you don't have to do everything straight away. So 
just look at where your big impact areas are or where your real focus areas are and just start there and just break it down. Um, Because again, I think in this space is a bit of a a negative connotation sometimes where people think, well, unless you're doing everything brilliantly, you shouldn't be doing anything because people are worried about being called out or they're worried about some, uh, you know, something happening on social media. So it's about just work out where your focus area is, whether that's people, environment, community, whatever it might be, and just keep chipping away in that area and then just keep working through it and kind of keep it to bite-sized pieces because it is huge. It's a big undertaking. Um, So trying not to do everything all at once is the biggest thing. Interesting. So, so yeah, so breaking it down to kind of bite-sized chunks makes a lot of sense. And um, in terms of cause areas, because you mentioned sort of impact areas or sometimes people refer to them as cause areas or, or whatever, um, do you tend to focus on specific areas that are kind of like lower hanging fruit or do you just go in for whatever resonates the most with the businesses that you work with? Yeah, so it's, I, I try and start with where, with what is a company trying to achieve? And I call it a positive impact statement. So almost like your mission statement, but what's what does that mean when you start thinking about impact? So what's the impact you want to have? And generally, it, it varies, obviously, but generally people will focus on, on the environment. They might focus on community. They might focus on a wider society issue like diversity, for example. Um, they might focus on their employees and really focus on their employee culture and, and treating their employees well. Um, and there might be others, but generally companies kind of lean towards one or two of those kind of areas as their kind of focus. So so really that's where I try and start is, is what's your kind of thing you really want to go after and let's start there. That's not to say we ignore all the other stuff, but if you are um, a company who really, really wants to focus on environment and if you're in manufacturing, for example, then that's going to be a really big area. So let's let's really focus on that. But at the same time, what can we do? What kind of quick wins we can we do elsewhere? Um, because again, there's kind of accepted wisdom now on what good looks like in some of these areas. So we can just kind of cross them off as we go. That's really, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, so, so you sort of deploy both a long-term and a short-term strategy kind of with, with, with companies, which does make a lot of sense. Um, and do you tie them back into things like SDGs and things like that? Or do you kind of help businesses come up with their own sort of metrics and goals? Um, Again, it does vary. I think SDGs are a really good thing to base things on. And I think actually what I found interestingly is they can be really good for people to, especially people who aren't quite sure where they want their business to focus. They kind of want to go after a bit of everything and don't know what, what good looks like. Um, especially if you're quite new to this, if you've run a very traditional company or you're from a very traditional background, this can be quite overwhelming. So um, looking at those as a kind of almost for some inspiration to say, okay, what are the kind of areas that are are interesting to you or are relevant to you or relevant to your team? Um, but then, and then it depends from there, but often, you know, I use B Corp as a framework a lot, um, not just for companies who want to be B Corp accredited, but just for companies who want to understand what good looks like. It's a really good free online tool where companies can use that to benchmark where they are. So I tend to fall sort of fall back to that because it's, it's good and it's there and it covers a whole business. Um, so between those two, for a lot of businesses, they will provide a huge amount of information. That's really incredible. Um, so if somebody's starting out sort of like a business for the first time, you know, there are, there is, they're an entrepreneur because, you know, listeners can vary between the obviously different stages of companies. Uh, but there are entrepreneur right now that want to go out and start a business or are at very early stages um, and want to ha- think about some metrics to put in place to make sure they're on track in terms of, you know, being impact led and so on. Um, do you feel like B Corp or SDGs are, you know, 
criteria or frameworks that apply to even very early stage companies? Or do you think there's something better out there or a different way of thinking about it when you're at that stage? Yeah, so I'd say for somebody really early stage, I think B Corp would just completely blow your mind. It's brilliant and I love it. But it's, <laughs> right. it's just, it would probably scare, it scares <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> it's too much information. Right, all okay. at once. <laughs> um, what, I, what I tend to do, right. I, I talk about something I call the, the balance, balance scorecard. So, there's a balance scorecard right. that everyone knows. It kind of covers financials and um, people and yeah, growth sure. and internal projects. So very standard Red, model. Amber, green kind out, of thing. Yeah, sure. a very standard model that's out there. Um, and actually, because again, you should be measuring your profit and you should be measuring your customer service and all the kind of normal stuff. So the balance scorecard's great. But then what I do is I sort of add this extra level of balance, which is your social and environmental metrics. So you've got your financials you've got your customer numbers and your marketing stats but what what are the kind of social environmental things you might think about you might just have two or three you you really doesn't need to be a lot but you might measure you know miles driven this year if you are traveling a lot or you might measure how much of your product packaging is recyclable you know it could be really quite simple things um but at the early stage it's just factoring that into your thinking um so that it's it, it's on there it's on a level with your financial metrics and they'll change and they'll move but and you just need a few but at least then you're you're thinking about your finances you're thinking about your customers you're thinking about your marketing stuff that we all do but then I'm also thinking about some of the environmental or social things that are important to me and important to my business um but keeping it really kind of light touch and and um easy to manage in the first instance rather than trying to go too far too quickly yeah because there, there is it is a bit of a risk i mean as a matter of fact i wonder how many startups out there even have balance score scorecards <laughs> let alone the balance balance, balance yeah scorecards. well that is true i mean i i do a i do a workshop and it's i call it um metrics that matter and actually i, I talk right. a lot about the kind of social environmental side but but completely understand that actually yeah. you still you know this is only any good if you've got the other stuff so i might as well help you with the other stuff as well have a little um, think about that too in the process <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh that's brilliant yeah because because that's the case the thing is that with with early stage startups it can be so hard sometimes to really keep keep track of everything that you need to measure and everything that you need to be aware of um and and so that's why exactly i mean i mean i'd, I'd imagine even for you you probably have a similar case where because you're you're starting something up as well right and you've been in it i mean you've been in it for a few, a few years now but it still can be can sometimes feel early stage, I'd imagine, at times. So you know firsthand how tough it can be sometimes to do all those things. It's kind of going back again to the whole time piece, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why I try, whatever size of business it is, I try not to lean too much into the um, everything's about impact, everything's about the environment, everything's about social good. It's what's actually is more important that we run sustainable businesses from a commercial and an environment and social perspective because if your business is commercially successful then you're able to deliver more social environmental impact you're able to employ more people you're able to pay more taxes and all that kind of stuff um the trick is trying to do that in a way which is not at detriment of um social environmental causes and and especially at the early stage we're not saying you need to solve world poverty but it's just about how can you just start thinking about some of these things when you're making decisions when you're making a purchase decision, you're employing a new supplier. Are you thinking about the diversity ownership of that company? Are you thinking about the ethics of that company? You don't need to do a whole audit on them, but you can sort of think, ah, have I thought about that? Maybe I should just yeah. get some. I might look a bit wider than my normal pool of people. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it needs to be. That's a very good point. And it actually also helps drive commercial success because the, the more you speak, the more companies you speak with, for example, if you're looking for suppliers. And, and the more you try to actually understand their model properly and, and how they operate, then obviously you'll make a better choice commercially too. Yeah, so. exa exactly. I think that's it. And it's not to say, and I've, I say this a lot, it's not to say that you have to go for the female-owned business for your for every one of your suppliers, for example. Um, but you sh you could be thinking about that and sort of making sure that you're incorporating, you're, you're trying to encourage more diverse companies as part of your supply chain, however small that is you know however tiny the spend is you're making um because just by going through that process that will lead you to make different decisions 
it's very cool because you're kind of basically shifting it so that being doing good in the world becomes a byproduct of your success rather than the other way around in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, that's not it. the other way yeah. around, but like yeah. yeah, rather than yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I think it's coming back yeah. to that point we said earlier: is you can do both. You can absolutely do yeah. both. Um, but it does just mean unpicking some of the stuff that we all we all do just because that's what mm. we we do. Absolutely. Are you finding that it's getting easier for you or harder with, you know, like for given the current state of things with the economy, but also, you know, post COVID and so on and so forth. Do you think it's getting easier for you to, to work with companies to implement those things or harder? Uh, easier. I would say the demand is definitely increasing, which is good. I think what is challenging is then, is then managing the, um, there, there is a bit I'm, I'm I'm hearing a lot at the moment around greenwashing and companies that potentially have have achieved certifications or put certain things out there and it's turned out maybe weren't quite as um, as high integrity as we'd hope um, so I think that's a that's a trick at the moment I think there's a lot of business who want to do the right thing um, but in actually it, weirdly what's interesting is a lot of people are worried about trying to do the right thing in case they do the wrong thing. Mm. So they end up not doing anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, because there's been all this publicity. Stuck in the middle, yeah, essentially. You're like, oh, just, no, yeah. no, honestly, doing something is definitely better than doing nothing. But they're, they're doing worried nothing, about absolutely. doing it wrong or putting the wrong thing out there or not being perfect. Right. So we'll wait until – and it's so that's I think that's right. actually a challenge at the moment is how do you mm. how do you kind of still progress on this path at speed – and and shout about doing this stuff and help your supply chain and help your customers educate them but also at the same time go you know what we haven't got all the answers we haven't got this completely right and we've still got a long way to go and and i think that's what actually what's stopping people at the moment which is which it all can be we can overcome that but that's definitely a kind of flavor at the moment i think absolutely it's really interesting because you you kind of touched on greenwashing it's something i want to talk to talk with you about today because you you'll have come across a lot of this stuff um do, do you think it's more i mean i i have faith in humanity and I, and I tend to be more on the optimistic side of things and i think that you know of course there are some evil people out there but i think fundamentally for the for the most part every everybody's trying to do good in the world in some way uh it's just you know the what is the phrase the road to hell is paved with good intentions right <laughs> um <laughs> um <laughs> But what I was going to ask is, you know, do you think that this the greenwashing stuff, do you think that it's more using the wrong metrics or, or sort of like going about it in a slightly wrong way? Or, or do you think that in some cases it is genuinely intentional? People are just trying to look better than they, than yeah, they are. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. I think it's a mixture. I, th- I think I'm definitely in your camp sure. in that I think people <laughs> generally are good. That's, that's, my, yeah. that's my starting position is generally yeah, people yeah. are good. Um, uh-huh. so if you start from that position, then I think, a lo- I think some of it comes from just, I think part of it is also we've learned, we're always learning. This area is changing and new knowledge is coming to the fore all the time. So what could have been seen as right 18 months ago, the science might've changed now. So that's, that is a genuine challenge is people think they're doing the right thing and they were at the time and then thinking's moved on. So that is definitely one thing. Um, but I do, but I also do think if your intentions are good and genuinely good, you will generally make the right decision. You Now, sometimes you might get it wrong, fine, but generally you will. On the flip side, if you're doing this because you can see a market opportunity or you can see, or you sort of feel like you're being pushed into it because you're being asked by all your suppliers, so you kind of reluctantly go down this road, then you're probably going to, come unstuck at some point because you you'll have to make decisions that you um that you you what you don't want to make and so you might make the wrong ones um but i do think there is a challenge of people who are very can look at this at a very kind of um top level and and not go deep enough and that's why it is so important that it is embedded in your organization how you make decisions in your operations in your culture because then generally collectively you'll make good decisions across all your business um so i i'm definitely in the camp that if you if your intentions are good you will generally make good decisions 
you and generally figure I, it out. Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and that's what I try and sort of talk to my clients about is, you know, if you if mm. you're doing this with the right reasons, then you generally will get it right. Now things mm. might change, and you sometimes you might get it wrong, but you can put your hands up to it. Then that's fine. Um, yeah. But obviously, no, absolutely, if you're not yeah. In that and, camp, and, yeah, then that's a different story. <laughs> that's the yeah. Let's let's not go down that road yeah. today. Um, the, <laughs> the, that's yeah. The, I think I think yeah. It makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm assuming that there's a lot of people out there who do have good intentions and want to get do the right thing, but are not sure exactly how to go about it. Yeah. And that's exactly where you come in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what is you, brilliant now is there's so much information out there. Um, to help people who are in that position. So again, if you're in the, if you've got the Absolutely. right intentions, the information is out there, um, but it is changing all the time, and that is one of the challenges. That, that's a really interesting point, actually. And I think even if you go on a more macro level, which I, I suppose can just kind of like uh, drive the point home that we do need to really start thinking about the impact that we're doing in the world, is that you know, if, for every every time you look back at every, any civilization in the past we see so many moral atrocities that, are, that were committed and that people weren't necessarily aware that they were committing them, right? Um, and, and as times move on, people look back and think, well, how the hell were we doing that? You know, what, how was that okay back then? Because that is definitely not okay. And so it, there's a very strong argu- argument to be made that going forward, future generations will look back at us and think, how the hell were these people just living like that and letting <laughs> this kind of thing happen? Whatever that might be, right? And so yeah. it's just kind of like, there is a lot of reason as to why we really should think about those things and kind of work on them. Yeah, So It's awesome to see, yeah. Yeah, I had a, a really interesting conversation this week with a, an older guy who said that he felt really guilty that in the kind of 60s, 70s and 80s, you know, they were kind of, basically he felt like his generation had got us to this position. He felt really guilty about that. And we were saying, yeah, but you, we didn't know then. Nobody knew then the impacts that we know now. We do know now. So we can make those better decisions. You didn't know back then. And that's that's the key difference is we, we've got the science now. We do know what it means. We've got the d- data and the research. So now we need to be making those decisions. He couldn't back then because it just wasn't known. Just Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it's also going to continuously change, but it's just to your point that, you know, we should always keep up to date with the latest stuff out there and make sure that we're kind of moving in the right direction generally. Um, yeah, really, really interesting point. And it's it's just one of those things that is going to be constantly going to evolve and get better as we go along, which is fantastic. Um, kind of going back a little bit more to the types of businesses that you work with, do you tend to work more with kind of like bigger businesses or any kind of size? Are you sort of agnostic in terms of sectors that you work with? Or do you have a bit more of a focus? Yeah, so I tend to work in kind of with SMEs. Um, so, um, so rather than kind of big corporate. So I, I like working with those organisations and really the organisations that are going through, who have already kind of grown to a certain level and are now kind of pushing on to the next stage, whatever that might be for them. Um, so they've usually got, um, you know, 20 plus employees and starting to get to the stage where they're saying, okay, we need to really kind of work on, we, we need to grow up. Basically, we need to really look at how we operate as, a, as an organisation. Um, in terms of sector, it, it really is quite agnostic. I tend to do quite a lot of my work with B2B services, uh, creative agencies, that kind of side of things, um, because they often want to do a lot of work in the people side. Um, but actually, I've worked in all different sectors um, because really the principles are very, very similar. Obviously, when we start getting down to some of the technical environment tough stuff, for example, that's when I'd lean on lean on experts in that particular field. But the principles of how to run that type of business apply generally across most um, across most sectors. Um, but it's really the more important thing is that coming back to our earlier point, the intentions there, there's genuine intention, regardless of where they are on that journey. Absolutely. Um, exciting times for you at the moment then. And future wise, what do you think your plans look like, you know, for the next, say, five, 10 years? Or, or, I mean, maybe maybe that far ahead can be quite hard to predict right now, but for the next <laughs> couple of years, maybe. Yeah, so there's, there's kind of two sides I'm really focused on growing. Um, one is um, coming back to what we were saying earlier is around making 
resources and education and learning materials available for people who want to run businesses in this way. Um, so I, I'd love to be able to, and sort of working towards building um, a sort of platform where that re- those resources and content is is available for people who need it. And so it's easy access and kind of making it um, easy for people to find and use. And then, but then the other side is also being that kind of one-stop shop for organizations who want to work in this way. And so use working with experts in particular areas so that people can go, look, I really want to understand diversity in our organization and how we can, how we can support it. Um, we can really kind of deep, dig deep into that area with them with the right expert so kind of two ends of the spectrum really the kind of self-service to help people at the point of need but then also that kind of deep expertise uh, when that's needed as well that's the kind of the goal amazing wow that's incredible so definitely a, a double double-edged approach that's, that's absolutely brilliant. yeah yeah um best of luck with that i mean it, I'd imagine, of course, part of what you do relies not just on having incredible, like an incredible team on board and incredible uh, clients that you work with and so on and so forth, but also mm. perhaps partnerships. Is that is that an area for you that mm. you're focusing on as well? Or is that something that yeah. for the time being you're kind of not thinking about too much? Yeah, it definitely is. I think I'm, I, as I'm sort of working with more and more um, organizations, I'm working sort of building that kind of partnership ecosystem so I'm really lucky I've got a really good network of of experts I can call on in all sorts of different areas so quite often um I'll be working I might be working a client on B Corp for example but um we really want to dig deep on a particular area and so how they kind of pull those in so partnerships I think and I think actually what's interesting in this whole space is it's very collaborative so it's, it's much more collaborative than competition so it's very, you know, I will call on other people in the B Corp space if I'm stuck and just go, I do, I'm in an industry here I don't know as well. Can you help me? Sure. You know, that's absolutely sure. kind of the ethos. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, that's a big bonus of it. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I think collaboration is really important. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer in collaboration too. Um, and I think that more and more companies, startups, people generally should collaborate to help deliver uh, services. And I do feel like the world in general, we're moving, to, we're moving forward in a way that does allow for that to happen, where it's competition will always be there. Competition is good. Competition does drive, you know, better services and, and, and prices and things for consumers, of course. Um, but at the same time, I think collaboration is a very strong thing that, that we can utilize and do more of, um, even between what might be competitors, if it's for a good cause and if it's for the for bettering the world in some way, that that's a very positive thing to do. Um, so I, I think, you know, we're all agreed that we want to make the world a better place and wherever we can collaborate to do that, that that's that's always a, a positive, right? Absolutely. Um, so you've mentioned a little bit about kind of personal drive, of course. Uh, you know, the part of the reason as to why you actually uh, started this was about nieces and nephews, but also stepchildren and so on. Um, Curious as to, you know, whether there this, this may not be one thing, but I, I ask this question to everyone, but you know, what is it that wakes you up in the morning? What's, what gets you out of bed to want to go to work? Is it, is it that, or is there something mm-hmm. else there too? I think, I think actually it's about when you're working in this kind of space, what's really amazing is you, you go through a journey with a, with a company and you see the tangible change that they're making. Um, you you see that they are making their working lives better for their employees because they're offering um, better terms and conditions or they're changing their working environment. Or you see them look at their supply chain and make more informed decisions about who they buy materials from. So I think what really excites me about this world and doing this job is you see the change almost in real time. And that's that's really quite powerful. Is when you you know you might might be working with a company over a, just a few months, but you can you can pinpoint exact things that they've changed that are moving towards this way of working. And and that's I think so. I think over everything, that's the bit that really excites me. When you kind of go, hang on a minute, we've that's just made amazing. That wow. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, a that's, big part that's of incredible. It. That must be so empowering. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that that would be an incredible feeling going to bed knowing that you've you really helped the company make such a you know such a change that must feel very very nice and um, rewarding. So yeah, 
Incredible. And do you have a personal goal in mind of like, you know, a certain level of impact that you want to make in the world? Um, I, not specifically, though, this is a good question, actually. But I think what I what I do want to do is sort of taking that strand is to help as many businesses as possible go on this journey. And that's what I was talking about, the kind of content and making it much more accessible, because I recognize, as you know, even if you know there was a hundred of me, we can only be working in this way with a, a small number of organizations at any one time. So actually, it's about how do you make this um, much wider so that you know, um, a much vo- higher volume of companies can make those changes that I'm talking mm. about. So making it much more scalable. That's a big thing for me because as brilliant, brilliant it is to see those changes, that's one company at, you know, yep. at that point in time. How yep. would you kind of multiply that? Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, the same way that you have metrics for other companies that you help them with and you help them set up, um, I'd imagine that you've set those things up for yourself too and and, and within your own business, uh, if if you found the time to do that. And uh, and, um, for for you, do you you kind of think about doing that based on, um, because it can be a little bit tougher because like, you know, if you go into a specific business, for example, they can be working in in a specific course areas and you can really get get down to the saying, for example, you know, we want to help provide clean water uh, to, say, 10,000 people this year, 100,000 people, whatever. But you can really get quite numerical with it. Um, I suppose from your perspective, it can be a little bit harder because you're working with a lot of different types of businesses, doing a lot of different types of things. So what kind of metrics do you use internally for you to, to be like, all right, you know, we're, we're making positive changes in, mm-hmm. in the right ways that we want to be? making them yeah so I think it really it is focused on the kind of number of organizations that I can work with directly so I, I measure that and how because by default I do my work in theory we're working towards we're making positive change um I also do track how many people I um speak to doing events or workshops or I do a lot of kind of communities um business communities do talks so I, I track how many people talk to in that way because although I might not be helping them directly hopefully by going through um, I don't know B Corp principles or talking about the changes they can make in their business that that will change you know at least how they think about it and hopefully kind of sort of move that forward so I track things like that but yeah ultimately I want to be able to sort of track and go okay this is how you know how many thousands of companies we've helped along this way. Wow, that's very very cool. Yeah, that milestone to reach would be uh, would be quite amazing. Um, you you know, I'd imagine you probably have a little party to celebrate <laughs> when you get to like you know we've helped ten thousand businesses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that this. would be nice. Uh, <laughs> that would be incredible. And uh, you know, do let me know when the party will be happening. I'll, I'll be there uh, when it's uh, just yeah, you know, we'll get there. Try, maybe have it in London so that we can get everyone there. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah, not in Hereford. No, we, 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 we do. No, no, we exactly. We love the West. I swear we do. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you last time we met, but I actually lived in Cardiff for about five oh, years. You did, so yes. I, I yeah. genuinely do love the yeah. do love the West. Yeah, yeah. It's just a long way. Yeah, and it's everywhere. incredible there. It is beautiful. <laughs> it's just a long way from everywhere. I think that's a yeah, good yeah. way to put it. I mean, you didn't com- you didn't comment on the weather there, but sure, we can <laughs> skip that one for now. Yeah. Um, when I, <laughs> it's funny because when I lived there, it rained. So so freaking much that I, I couldn't stop thinking about how much force that must be, like how much rain, how much force <laughs> from the rain must be hitting the earth. And I, yeah. I was thinking, like, can we can we somehow collect that and turn it into energy in some way? You know, can we like, yeah. can we put these nets over giant green spaces that like <laughs> ripple with the with the water and create motion and then convert that into energy somehow and yeah, store probably. it in batteries? it's just the kind of thinking I don't think you'll have that anywhere but Wales like that is the only (laughs) place you'll think about doing that sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) so yeah but but I'm I'm assuming you love it though and I I suppose you're not as far uh, as far out as that so you're not quite but yeah but it uh, is and I think I think that is one thing that's that's massively helped during the pandemic is being able to you know have conversations like this and it just being location agnostic and and that's that has been a a positive especially when you don't you don't live in london and don't live near a big city T- to be honest more and more people are moving out of london now i mean mm. it's um you know that 
a lot of people are realizing, well, I can do all of my work online and why do I need to be in the city? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. need to, yeah. I don't need to pay the, you know, crazy rents that I've been, <laughs> that I've been paying in the past. Um, and I just, yeah, I don't need to do the crazy commutes either. Yeah. I can just be living wherever I want to live and have a great time and, and mm-hmm. go in whenever I want with an hour train. Like it doesn't, it's not even that hard to get into London any, anymore no. really, with all the trains that are available. So it's, um, I, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's a move that a lot of peers, um, have done actually. A lot of people I know have done, have made, made the move just when the pandemic was starting, uh, mm-hmm. essentially, and just decided to kind of move out of there and have a better, better lifestyle. Was it, yeah. was it a decision that you made because of the pandemic or, or had you... Would you no, we you always kind of lived, like, kind of always lived, okay. um, wanted to live kind of countryside um, and I've never really sort of gone to big cities. We live, I lived in Australia for a few years um, and so when we came back to England, it was very much about being in the countryside. So, um, but yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I, you know, it's, a, it's a great lifestyle and I think because now you can run a business now from anywhere, so... It, it has kind of opened up that whole pool of people who can say, well, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't live in the city, but I can still do this kind of work. Of course. I mean, it's kind of silly if you think about it, that we couldn't do that before. It just yeah. it doesn't really make any sense. And, it, and it's one of those things again, that you realize after it happens, right? It's like, well, why was that the case? <laughs> why do we do it, it's that? funny because <laughs> why do we do that? Exactly. On, on that point as well, actually, I, I hear the, um, uh, Elon Musk was talking at a, at a conference uh, sort of a few weeks ago, you know, love him or hate him, of course. Mm-hmm. Some people love him, some people hate him, uh, but we're, we're not here to comment on that. But th- there was a, uh, he was talking about sort of, you know, making self-driving, self-driven AI, mm-hmm. uh, so, sorry, self-driving uh, AI. And and the way he was talking about it is thinking, you know, there, there will be a day when we will look back and think, why the hell were we allowing, letting ourselves drive cars when AI can drive it so much more safely than we can. Yeah, yeah. And people kind of look back, look back at that and think like, wow, you guys actually drove the cars yourself? <laughs> Insane. You know, because of, because of the amount of accidents and things yeah, that happen yeah. because of it. Yeah, so true. it's quite interesting how like with technological, right? It's like as technology advances and we get those shifts coming in, yeah. I think it just opens up a lot, a lot yeah. more doorways for us. And it's, yeah. it's quite It's quite like we were saying earlier about the mindset. We live in a very shift. exciting time. As we learn stuff and as things change, then we, we change with them. But you can't make decisions now based on stuff that you don't know yet. So it's just about, like I say, just keeping up with what's what's currently there and what's currently in play. Absolutely, no, it's, it's very, very true. Um, I suppose kind of coming a little bit toward toward mm-hmm. uh, toward the the sort of the end of the episode, unfortunately, because um, I obviously would love to chat for chat for much <laughs> much longer. Um, it, any, do you have any thoughts in mind that you want to share with, with listeners or any pieces of advice or tips that you mm. want to give to listeners? So whether they be starting their own businesses or whether they be already running a business? Yeah, I think, I think the, where I sort of always try and start is, is that positive impact statement I was talking about. So what, even wherever you are on your journey and however big you are um, or small, you can think about what's the positive impact I want my company to make whether that's on the environment, whether it's on community, whether it's on wider society, um, whatever that is for you, um, then that's a good place to start because often um, companies just go straight into building a business and that piece, just even just thinking about that early on can make you help you make slightly different decisions. So that's definitely one piece. If you are slightly bigger or you have ambitions to, to grow, um, and to really kind of meet the highest standards in this, then I always kind of point people towards the B Corp assessment. It's free. It's online. You don't have to submit it ever if you don't want to. But it's just such a good tool to guide you through what good looks like in this space across your whole business. So even if you never intend to become B Corp, because it is quite a big thing to go through, um, what it does do, the tools and resources they give you lay it out really, really well. So if you are slightly bigger and you want to sort of really think seriously about how you work in this way, then that's just a great tool to use. That's incredible. And and then I suppose one last thing as well, what would you say to people who work in companies but aren't necessarily decision makers within the company? Yeah, so I think with that, one of the best things you can do is just ask questions around your organisation. So one thing I actively encourage employees to do, especially, well, in any side of organisation actually, is to question about their company pension. That's a really key one. Um, it's one of the biggest things you can do um, to have positive social impact. So 
just asking the question about where your company pension is invested, um, even if it's even if it never changes. But the fact you're asking that question starts spurring those conversations within your organisation. And then just asking about where can I volunteer? Can I spend my volunteering time? What are we doing about the environment? As an employee, you've got quite you've got more power, I think, than you think you have. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just asking those questions is, is hugely powerful. Amazing. Wow, Danielle, thank you so much. And and if people want to find out more about uh, the amazing work that you do on Thread and to get in touch with you mm-hmm. uh, as well, what's, what's the best place for them to go to? Um, best place is LinkedIn. So connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Danielle Thompson. So um, just connect with me on there. Um, obviously, it'll go to the website, which is uh, unthread.co.uk. Um, but yeah, probably LinkedIn is where I'm particularly active. So um, if anyone's got any questions or want to have a chat through, then feel free to to get in touch there. That's incredible, Danielle. Thank you so much for coming today. It's been such a fun conversation. No problem. Um, really like that we dive deeper into it, and then you know, hopefully, we'll we'll have more and more of these conversations. We'll dive deeper in the future as well. Uh, maybe we'll have you back here as well at some point in the yeah, future. Fair. You know, as we as as the business growth grows, you work with more different companies. Mm-hmm. Perhaps when you reach the 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 ten thousand milestone, or the <laughs> milestone. I, I don't I don't know where you are now. Maybe you're yeah, in thousands yeah. already. Maybe you're in hundreds. I don't know. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just, just 100,000 businesses have helped only, not that much. Wait for the million. <laughs> but no, I absolutely would love to have a, a conversation again. I'm sure we'll, we'll pick up the conversation again in the future anyway. Yeah, um, and yeah, thanks so much. Wish you all the very best no with problem. it. Carry on doing yes. the good work that you're doing. Yeah, great. And uh, links. Thank you so much. And uh, links for everything we mentioned, by the way, will be in the description below. So if anybody wants to to find Danielle or to find the website, uh, you'll find it there and looking forward to speaking again soon. Great. Thank you. Thanks for being here with us. Thank you. Cheers. We hope that you liked the episode. This podcast was sponsored by QFind, a hiring platform that matches candidates with jobs and employers based on many factors that ensure longer term alignment. It goes way beyond package and salaries and take into account much, much more than that to ensure a happy uh, working environment for everybody. To find out more about this podcast and to see further releases, we'll be announcing them at the at QFinds.io uh, Instagram page, as well as on the qfinds.io website, as well as from my own personal uh, Instagram page and my own personal LinkedIn. All information you need that we spoke about in the podcast or this information mentioned here will be mentioned below in the description. So take a look, visit those links. And if you like anything or want to get in touch, uh, please do. And lastly, stay tuned for more. Have an amazing week ahead of you.